Welcome back to the Evil Master Plan Podcast, a show where you get to hear someone start a tech company from scratch with no idea what they're doing. Today is Spooktober 1st, and I'm your host, Martin Mumford. Now, as you'll recall, our Evil Master Plan is to, one, infiltrate 50% of the world's organizations, two, build an army of super-intelligent robots, and then three, world domination. Overmind is the app I'm making to kick off step number one, but I still have quite a long way to go. So, what happened this week? Well, for one, I set up a Discord server. Discord seems to be a much better place to have discussions and brainstorm ideas than over an email newsletter. So if you'd like to join us, I'll put a link to the Discord in the show notes. I also reached out to two founders of similar apps for some advice. And weirdly enough, there seems to be a lot of people named Martin that have been working on note-taking apps. I don't know what's up with that. There's Martin Schneider at Remnote and Martin Antos at Acrium and now me with Overmind. Not sure why, but it's just something in our destiny, I suppose. So Martin Antos of Acrium gave me some pointers about finding new users, which were very useful. And not a Martin, but George Savolka of Hebia helped me refine my thought process about search. And this one was actually very fascinating. We'll cover it in the philosophy section a little bit later. But a really big lesson I had to learn this week was about the sunk cost fallacy. I was working on a redesign of the Overmind editor, and it was taking way too long, just absolutely way too long. After three days of rebuilding this thing from scratch, I realized that it was going to be at least another week, maybe two, before I could pull it off. And it was all or nothing. There wasn't really a way to finish just part of it and still be useful. But the sunk cost fallacy is basically that feeling of, I already spent so much time on this, if I stop now, it would be a waste. But the thing about the sunk cost fallacy is that, in reality, you cannot waste time that you've already spent. It's already a sunk cost. It's gone. The only thing that matters in making a decision is what the future will cost. And so remember the principles of chaos, the calm, humble, accountable, open, and scrappy. Part of being calm is avoiding these kind of fallacies and not letting the emotional investment sway your decision. In this case, the remaining cost, the time that I had left to make this feature work, was still too much to be worth working on, even though the last three days' work would have to be shelved for now. But there were many, many other features I needed to be working on, and it wasn't worth letting the sunk cost of my time stop me from getting other, simpler things done in the meantime. So last time, I was pretty concerned about whether I was building the right thing with Overmind. But at this point, even though there's still no active users, I've got about 30 occasional users and several people giving super good feedback. And the narrative of what people want with Overmind is starting to coalesce into a consistent picture. I'm pretty confident that the ship is going in the right direction now. I just have to keep building and keep marketing. So this week, my number one biggest concern is whether or not I can actually pull it off in time. My goal is to get my first paying user in 30 days, and there's still a lot more work to be done before I can even do that. 
So the key here will be prioritizing. Actually, when I feel overwhelmed by all the possible things I could be working on, I find a technique is really helpful for prioritizing my time. First, I list out all the possible tasks I could do, and then I rate each one based on their urgency and their importance. Things that are not urgent but are very important are like my research into how to build the self-organizing part of Overmind. It's a future problem, and I'm chipping away at it very slowly. Things that are not important but are really urgent are like replying to someone who asks a question. Things that are both urgent and important, I need to do those first. And things that are not urgent and not important, I should just completely drop those. So that's helped me a lot when it comes to deciding what to do with my day-to-day -day time. But I wanted to get into the philosophy section, and particularly the philosophy of search, what I call the detective. So we've all had that experience where you search for something and you either get no results or there's way too many irrelevant results. And keyword search is really dumb sometimes, so you often have to do your own digging through the results. Here's an example. I was curious about COVID rates in Utah, so I googled Utah COVID. What was strange was that I kept getting these results for COVID at the University of Texas for some reason. And then I figured out what was actually going on with their search. Google knows that Utah can be abbreviated as UT. Google knows that University of Texas can also be abbreviated as UT. And so Google, in its infinite wisdom, decided to help and show me the results for Utah and University of Texas at the same time. So, not exactly ideal, but search is a balancing act just like that. It's all about getting you just the right information that you need. Not too much, not too little. And here's the philosophy of search that I want to build into Overmind. I like to think of search as three different possible tools or perspectives. There's document search, there's content search, and then there's knowledge search. So document search is what you see 90% of the time. This is really common. It's on Google, you search for web pages, in your email, you search for emails. On Twitter, you search for tweets. In your messages, you search for texts. And maybe on a recipe site, you're looking for recipes. All of these things are just documents of text that you're sifting through. And document search can be really straightforward. If you're looking for a particular document, such as a bean stew recipe, then the easiest thing for a search engine to do is just find all of the documents that contain bean and stew and recipe. There's also a whole ton of small little optimizations we can make, such as stemming or lemmatizing. And that just means that when you search for cook, it also finds results for cooked and cooking as well. But like we saw with the Utah search versus University of Texas, that can go wrong sometimes. But here's the thing. Sometimes you don't want to find just a document. Sometimes you want to find answers to your questions. And many times the answer is buried deep within the document or even scattered across a whole bunch of documents. And in that case, document search isn't enough. So there's two bits of magic we can do to help you find answers instead of just documents. And one of those is content search and one of those is knowledge search. 
Content search is where the system looks through all the documents and cuts them up, pulls out the exact sentences that it finds which best answer your question. For example, let's say someone texted you with a movie recommendation a long time ago, but you don't remember what it was. You could do a document search and scroll through all the documents that contain the word movie and recommend somewhere in them, but you'd have to open each one and dig around. Or you could do a content search that does the next level of digging for you, looking for sentences that actually answer your question. Knowledge search, on the other hand, is quite a bit different. Instead of just searching over the text itself, you can search over the structure called a graph. And these knowledge graphs are made up of things and all the connections between them. So here's a practical example. If you were to Google Thomas Jefferson's birthday right now, you're not just going to get a list of websites about that, but you're also going to get the answer to your question, which is April 13th. And that's because Google is using a knowledge graph under the hood that can pull this kind of information. And knowledge graphs are actually all around us. On Twitter or Facebook, you have connections between people. In music, there's some sort of a connection between an author and an album and a song, right? Recipes have ingredients and steps, an estimated time to prepare, estimated servings and nutrition facts. These kind of connections between things are structured information that we can also search. So instead of looking for all the recipes which contain the word fish, for example, you could do a knowledge search for all the recipes which use fish specifically as an ingredient. And you can see how that's a little bit more precise because someone might use the figure of speech, bigger fish to fry in their recipe, but it's not an actual ingredient. But knowledge search finds only what you're looking for because it has that deeper structure to work with. And this brings us to the detective. All three of these perspectives, the document, the content, the knowledge, they're all just tools in the toolbox for one thing, finding your answers as fast and as effortlessly as possible. And I suspect that by combining all three perspectives, we might get the best answers of all. And that's where the concept of this detective comes in. When I have a question, I'd much rather that someone else do all the time-consuming sifting through stuff for me. I want a kind of detective program that can gather all these searches together for me and then hunt down the answers inside of whatever it finds and then report back to me. Just imagine how much easier it would be if you could just ask this detective to find things like, what does Timosaurus Rex do? Who should I talk to about this bug on this site? How do I reset my password? Or why do we even do it this way? And what are the emails of all the team members who wanted to participate in the Muffin Bake Off competition next year, right? You could think of many kinds of questions that would benefit from doing all three kinds of searches for you and then combining the results into a nice, clean answer. So someday I would like to make Overmind Search feel kind of like hiring your very own private detective with all those tools at its disposal. Anyways, that's all for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you want to try Overmind out yourself, just go to overmind.wiki and sign up. You can also skip the waitlist and go directly to the front of the line by emailing martin at evilmasterplan.com.
www.thepodcastcollective.net. And of course, if you're curious, listen on to find out what comes next in the profoundly intriguing and most unusual Evil Master Plan.